Custom Car Care. Good morning and welcome. You have Sarah and Dustin, A1 Custom Car Care. Miss Sarah, how was your holiday? It was really great. How was yours? It was very, very good. I hope everybody out there had a great holiday. This is the new year, correct? I know. Isn't that crazy? I know everybody says the older you get, the faster time goes. It really does. It absolutely, absolutely does. But uh, very excited to kind of see what this new year brings. Last year had some headwinds, as everybody knows. Hopefully we get to put some of that behind us. But Miss Sarah, I want to talk kind of a little uh, philosophy today. How often do you run into people that cannot make a decision? All the time. Yeah. Is that not crazy? And and I don't mean, I'm not just talking about automotive, but the power or the ability to make a decision almost seems like it's a waning um, trait of a lot of people, if that makes any sense. Mm-hmm. And that sometimes is the biggest thing. The, the lack of making a decision is kind of a decision a lot of times. And if you don't deal with whatever it is and you wait around... Um, have you ever done that? Have you ever just like, eh, I'm not going to pay attention, and then all of a sudden something big happens and you have to deal with it? Mm-hmm. That's usually not a good thing. Usually it doesn't make it better or easier to handle. In my experience, normally it ends up costing me dearly. Right. You know, you, you get that noise that you don't pay attention to or, oh, you know, I'll take it in later. Um, and that's what I see a lot in the, the car industry. And this is not just the car industry. This is kind of a uh, uh, you know, just daily life kind of thing, but people that will own the decision or have the ability and the strength to make the decision. And typically the, the harder the decision is to make, I guess, the more reward or, you know, what I would say the, the payoff for that decision is huge. It's very great. And then the lack thereof, or the, you know, yin and yang, if, if you will, if not making a decision, the more costly it is and the less that you actually reap the reward on. For instance, um, you know, if if I have a little water leak, say, at the house and, you know, I just don't make a decision or my decision is not to deal with it right now, instead of a small water leak, now I've got a subfloor or a ceiling related issue or, you know, it just snowballs. And at that point in time, uh, it costs greatly. Is this making any sense, Sarah? No, absolutely it does. And I just, I, I see or I find this happen a lot, and I'm always kind of bummed out as the service advisor at the shop. You know, they're like, oh, you know, it started making this noise, and had we fixed the noise originally or or somewhat quickly, it wouldn't have damaged a bunch of other components. And that's kind of what I'm I'm, I'm seeing a lot at this point. You know, folks are concerned because they don't know or, or understand kind of what's going on, and they think, oh, you know, I'll just turn the radio up or, you know, uh, you know, I'll get to it eventually. And the longer you put that stuff off, the more expensive it is, whether it's home repairs. Um, I would venture to say this would be a question kind of for Kyle, but I guarantee if you have a legal situation and you don't deal with it up front, then they put a warrant out for your arrest or whatever. And that's always a bigger, bigger deal. Now, Sarah, we just did a whole bunch of work to your car. Was it, is it been a month ago ish? Yeah, it was like very start of November. Very man, time gets away yes. from me. So it's almost been two months ago. Um, 
So how is your little car doing? It's doing great. And on the terms of making sure that we get ahead of things Uh instead of, you know, just ignoring them, we're going to do some preventative maintenance on Ryan's truck. Started having this little ticking sound whenever you turn the heat and air on. And the last thing that I absolutely want to happen is to lose heat and air. You know, it's going to be eight degrees this weekend. It's coming on. So we don't want that to happen. So it could be something very small and something very preventative. But Mm -hmm. I'd rather you guys look at it now until it starts making a very loud ticking sound or something happens. Yeah. You know, being on the front side of that is so much easier to deal with, easier to plan for, and easier to manage what the repair is versus, you know, we'll have folks sometimes that, you know, have an issue and they overheat the car. Well, the issue was very small, but the cause or the effect from the overheat is very big and expensive. And I'm just using some examples. So when you shared that with me this morning, I was like, Sarah, you're you're absolutely fantastic. This is exactly what I want to to hopefully share with everybody out there. Whether we take care of it or you have a shop or you're a DIY person, none of that matters. The point is, is the longer you kick that can down the road, the more um, costly and expensive and inconvenient that that's going to be. And I sure don't want that for you or Ryan, especially, you know, when it's going to be nine degrees or eight degrees this weekend, you know, we just can't have that. We cannot have you guys broken down or having any problems. And, and that's not, not fun for anybody. So as we talk about a very, very cold snap essentially is, is, is happening this weekend, um, Sarah, your car is in great shape because we just kind of worked it over. Um, we've looked over Ryan's. Obviously, we're going to take a peek at that. If you're out there in, in kind of the listening area, you definitely want good quality fuel and a fair amount of fuel in your tanks out there. Um, if you're capable of doing it yourself, that's great. Or if you want your antifreeze checked, we do it as a courtesy. You'll have to be patient. I recommend you call one of the stores and just say, hey, I need the concentration or the freezing point of my antifreeze checked. That's a very important one. I would encourage all your fluids to be checked. Um, again, Sarah, we've done all yours, so you're in great shape. Um, it's something I do um, kind of with our home fleet because I've got multiple things that sometimes sit around and I don't use very often. Uh, but I want to check all my antifreeze, make sure that it's there, good coloration. There's not a weird, funny combustion odor in the antifreeze. Um, and God forbid, if at any point in time somebody has poured water in the system, then you need to be proactive and get it out and get that cooling system serviced before we have that crazy cold snap um, and, and essentially we're in winter. We need to make sure we're being proactive. Usually a couple of times a year, I'll end up seeing a car or a truck or, or whatever come in and somebody's added water to it throughout the summertime and they didn't get it out through the winter, or you're just now kind of starting your, your heating, um, portion of it, defrost, etc. And all of a sudden you don't realize or you didn't realize that that system's not working because you haven't used it in six months. You need to try those things out. You need to make sure the levels are accurate, the condition is is in good shape as far as your fluids wise, and that everything functions like it's supposed to. I had a, a very interesting uh, checkout this week. Uh, it, it had been at a few shops, few technicians looked at it. It was a Chrysler Sebring. And, you know, it was getting a little cool, so they were turning the the heat on. And the moment that you turned the headlights on, 
the heat would go away and the AC would come on and it would blow ice cold, obviously air, which was really a weird problem, which I'm sure is why it had been to a few shops, but we were able to get it taken care of. We isolated it down to a problem in the AC control head, which is your switches and knobs. And it essentially, I'm assuming I didn't cut it apart, but it was shorted internally that when you turn the headlights on and it illuminated the backlit for the lighting and the controls, that it would engage the air conditioning system and switch it from hot to cold. So that was kind of a weird one this week, uh, but that's that's what you find when you're using a system that you haven't used in a long time. Sometimes things give up the ghost, and we don't notice it till it's sub-zero temperatures or single digits in, in, in our case this week and causing some problems, and I know nobody wants to do that. I've driven vehicles with no heat. It's uh, Honestly, it's a danger when you get uh, frost and, and your defrost doesn't work on your windshield. That's not a good not not a good deal at all. So we need to make sure that's in good shape. Windshield wipers, that's kind of one of the overlooked things that I see quite often. You don't notice that they're, you know, crappy until you need them. So definitely would rather do that on the front side than the back side. Make sure your uh, washer fluid system works correctly to where you're in good shape. The other thing that we see a lot of failures as as soon as we get a cold snap is the charging system uh, basically battery, most often than not. If you drive a vehicle with a bad battery long enough, I can guarantee you have some alternator problems. And that is caused because that battery is decayed so much and the alternator is just working its tail off trying to keep everything powered like it's supposed to. So instead of a battery situation, now you have a battery and an alternator situation, which drives the cost up, drives the repair time up, and is something that is avoidable. So definitely if you have a battery that's that three to five-year-old window, you really need to make sure that somebody competent can check it and I'm I say that with an emphasis and I'm not trying to pick on the big box parts stores but they kind of dabble in the you know diagnostic and I use that extremely sarcastically because what they do in the parking lot is not nearly the same is what happens in a service bay and I'm not saying just our service bay there's a lot of great service bays out there but the equipment and the skilled hands that are going to test that system are significantly different than what you find at one of the big box parts stores. Um, if all you have is option-wise is a big box parts store, that's better than nothing, but not a whole lot uh, better. So just be cautious with what you're doing. If you get a funny feeling that whoever's checking it really doesn't know what they're doing, I would strongly recommend a second opinion. Um, as well as I know they offer some installation on batteries. I have them create me a lot of work because they don't do it correctly. And I had one here the other day. It was on a higher-end Volvo. Not super impressed. Uh, You know, I'm not a big Volvo guy, but they hooked it up incorrectly and caused a failure in the stop and start system. So just be mindful of the quality of folks that you're getting to do your service. So we're up against our first break of the hour. We got plenty more to talk about. We'll be right back after this. You've got to stand for something or you'll fall for anything. Welcome back. We've got Sarah Dustin, A1 Custom Car Care. Sarah, I'm going to share something with you. Okay. I went to a class here. It's been many years ago. And it was a a management leadership class, I guess. And basically, he asked everybody in the room, uh, if you're a salesperson, you know, salesman or saleswoman is like a a bad term. You know, it's like, oh, I don't want to be called salesman. Um, 
he asked everybody and there was like one person in this whole room that raised their hand with confidence and he looked at all of us and he said you're all salespeople and this you know this would be you this would be nick this would be anybody that you think about um and i thought man this guy's full of crap <laughs> but i never forgot it and this has been years ago and basically he basically basically how many times can i say basically he said that we are all salespeople, whether you convince somebody to hire you, whether you convince somebody to go out on a date with you, whether you convince somebody to marry you. He said you're all selling, whether you're selling yourself or what you're about, whether you're hiring somebody. You know, if we were in an interview process and you chose to take the job that I was offering, I had to sell you on being a part of our company and what it is we're about. And it's taken me almost six years to finally mentally grow, I guess, or, or hone that, that I realized that the man was exactly right. I mean, it can be even something small like, hey, you should watch this TV show. This is what it's about. That's a fine point. Yeah, somebody did that this morning to me, actually. They were telling me about a show okay. they watched. And I was after hearing them talk about it, and it sounded really good. Yeah. I want to put it on my list. So they sold you on it, right? Yeah. So I have continued to try and grow myself to understand what he was talking about. And so I've been pushing through some books here recently. And one of them, and I hate to be that guy that recommends books to everybody. I always thought that was kind of stupid. But um, it has made a huge difference. And the last one uh, I finished, and I've had a couple of my folks inside the company go through it, was Sell or Be Sold by Grant Cardone. And his point was, is he, he says that you're either selling... Or you're being sold. And that's a, a huge thing, or I, I guess one of those times in my life that I thought, hmm, that, you know, kind of that light bulb moment that, you know, whether you are convincing or you're being convinced. So, for instance, you know, if I'm hiring an electrician or a plumber and they're telling me what's going on, they have to sell me on the work that is needed. And if they don't do a good enough job on it, I have to sell them on why it is that I'm not doing that. And that goes back down to a very fundamental uh, communication or, you know, the, the mechanics of communication essentially is kind of what it made me think about. And, and I have started to kind of conduct things in a different manner, especially when I get in a contentious situation for existence, like you order something online or you have made an agreement with somebody and it doesn't go well. You have to sell them on wanting to help you through the problem, okay? So what happens a lot is people think that, oh, I can just get angry and I can yell and scream and throw a fit in here and they'll just do what I want. For the most part, people will do that just to get rid of you. But the magic happens, say I'm the one that was wronged in a situation or under-delivered to, I need to convince those people to work with me to solve my problem or get me a better solution than we even thought was possible in the beginning. And hopefully this is kind of making sense. When you're in a contentious situation and something is, is not being delivered upon, you are only going to get the outcome that you're looking for if the folks that you're dealing with want to help you. Okay? So if you just decide to run to social media and throw out an ugly review on there, that's probably going to get their attention. And rightly so. You know, if something doesn't go right at one of the shops, we need to know about it and we need to work through it. And I've said it, if I've said it once, I've said it a million times here on the show. 
is that you find out the character of a person or the company when something doesn't go right, and that's where the rubber meets the road. Whether you step up or they step up and and basically put it to the front of the line, figure out what happened. We're not perfect. I don't care who you are. Uh, you know, I don't know anybody that's walked on water in thousands of years. You are going to have things that don't work out. And that's where you see whether these people mean business or they don't. And they're just trying to, you know, muddle or sweep you under the rug. But what you have to have is you have to have the ability to conduct yourself in a manner that they want to continue to help you. And 99% of everybody out there that I ever deal with is still in that same boat. But there's a lot of times where you find somebody that is in the wrong business or, you know, they're, they're in the wrong bus or the wrong seat on the bus, etc. I don't know if anybody's familiar with that book. Fantastic book. But the point is, is they're in, in something that they don't want to do. So when they, they run into problems, they just try and, you know, side, sidestep it or skirt around it. And those people are the most important people that even as a disgruntled consumer, that you have to sell them on wanting to help you. Now, this isn't begging. Begging is a whole different discussion. You know, oh, please help me. please. I'm not talking about that. You need to be very direct in what it is that you're after, what it is you're having, but in a manner that conduces them to say, okay, yes, this didn't go right. I'm going to own this problem, and we're going to work through it and get it taken care of. That's the difference. So just because something doesn't go right doesn't mean that you just lose your mind and, you know, blast them on social media, pick at their business, etc. You have to give them the opportunity to work through that. And sometimes you have to convince them to do it as well. And if you run into a wall with somebody, sometimes you've got to find somebody else in that organization, but you still have to convince them. I hope this is all making sense because this has made a huge shift essentially in my personal life to figure out, okay, I want to conduct myself in a manner that people want to over deliver when we get in a situation we're working together. Because I definitely have, now that I have that understanding, I realize that that's really what's missing out there in most interactions that folks have. And on the customer side of it, or the uh, you know, automotive repair, which is the business that we're in, that's what is going to separate, you know, that a level group of people from everybody else out there. I truly do not believe in most industries, there's anything such as competition. I really don't. Um, I know and, uh, have great relationships with many other shops in, you know, Southwest, uh, Missouri and Northwest Arkansas, and even out of the state in, in other parts of the country. And they call and they ask for help or vice versa. I have to call them and they're fine to do so on those A-level quality shops. And there's plenty to go around that I don't have to be worried. I can't fix every car out there on the road. I just can't. Um, and nor do I necessarily want to. I really thoroughly enjoy taking care of people's problems and making sure that we conduct ourselves in a manner that takes care of itself. So... When you have, you know, the uh, awareness that, hey, this is what people are looking for. They're looking for people to step up and own some of those outcomes. Now, that's a two-way street. That's not just, oh, my car's broken. Um, and I literally had a gentleman tell me this one time. I was happened to be the service rider that day. He comes in and he said, you know, my car's, you know, giving me trouble. I need you to look at it for me. And so I went through my normal questioning with him. 
And very quickly, he just basically said, I went to college so I can pay people like you to work on my car. And he didn't participate in what was going on in his automotive needs, which was extremely rude. Did it hurt my feelings? No. Um, I'm not too worried about that. Did it make his repair take longer and the process go longer? Because basically I have to investigate what it is he's here for instead of him participating in it. So my point here is you need to intentionally participate in whatever it is, whether it's automotive repair with us, whether it's going to the doctor, whether it's attorney, whether it's a landscaping company. The better you are and more intentional, and I'm not talking about calling them every 10 minutes, is my car done, is my car done, is my car done, blah, blah, blah. I'm not talking about that. Be very intentional in what it is that you're looking for, and I assure you your outcome will be so much better. Your understanding and your your ability to be a part of the solution, even if you're not the one turning the turning the wrenches on it, that's totally fine. we got a group of folks that are fantastic at that. Um, but you have to be intentional in what it is you're after. You know, for instance, um, a lot of folks think that, hey, if I come in and I tell them everything, you know, my car's doing rattle, rattle, thunder, clatter, you know, it's going to cost me more. And, and it's the exact opposite. The folks that are more open, more straightforward with what's going on, their repair time is much less. Their cost typically is less as well, and their satisfaction is much better. So as a company, that's our goal is to be very proactive in that. But it relies on the people coming in the door to participate in that too. And that is a big, big deal. Sarah, that was a big, long soapbox rant. Did any of that come across and make any sense? It did. And it's a good place to stop and wrap up because uh-huh. we have to take our next break. Okay. We're down at the bottom of the hour. Sarah and I will be back in a moment. There's a stretch of black top. Sarah and Dustin, I kind of soapboxed out there a minute ago. Sarah, give me an honest opinion. When you come into the store, do we handle ourselves in that manner? And we've worked on your car and you had to bring it back. Because it wasn't fixed, right? Yes. I have been in A1 shop quite a bit recently. In fact, the last time I left, David, he said, I really hope this is the last time I see you. (laughs) At least for a little while. (laughs) I'm like, yes, I think so. But I do need to go get my oil changed. So I think every time I come in there, one of the guys at least loses some color in their face because they're like, oh, gosh, is she something wrong? Yeah, everything's been really great. I did have to come back in for that one small thing that that did happen, but we tore my whole car up, and that happens, and I know that, and I wasn't angry about it. I wasn't out anything. I just had to come back and set for about an hour, and you guys got it all figured out and taken care of. We pushed it to the front line. We figured out, and really, you know, those things happen. If you're not doing nothing, nothing ever goes bad, but we do a lot, so sometimes things happen. So you were able to come back. Our technician took care of it directly, um, put lots of test drive miles on it to make sure it was in good shape, was pretty adamant that he wanted it back, and and you were able to come back, and we double-checked it just as a a precaution to where it gives us peace of mind and you peace of mind. I I have been doing this a long time, and I have never, ever, and, you know, I know people think, oh, you know, sometimes they intentionally do this or that, so I got to come back or I need more work. In all the years I've been doing this, I've never seen, not with our facility or any other facility, somebody do that intentionally. And I know people think that. Have you ever thought that or had that idea? Before I had my relationship with A1, I had a very negative oh. yeah, feeling of just like automotive shops. I yeah. hated going to them. I felt like I was getting ripped off. I felt like sometimes I was talked down to like they didn't understand what they were talking about, which... Yeah. 
I half the time don't, but I don't like that feeling. So I don't have that relationship with the automotive industry anymore. You guys really changed that. You make me feel good about when I have to take my vehicle in because it's not a good feeling to to be there. Fun purchase. No, it's really not. It's no cruise to the Bahamas. But yeah, it's it is a much better experience. So let me kind of air that out. Do you feel like that that happened because you're a lady or just because you're younger or, or, you know, why do you, why do you feel like the automotive industry, you know, was kind of taken advantage? I think it was probably a multitude of things. Okay. You know, I was driving at 16. Yeah. So um, sometimes you have that stereotype of, you know, just a kid. Um, no, I've never felt that with A1. So one of the super cool things, um, Lois and Kenny own the company. Mm-hmm. I've worked for Lois for the entire time. Great lady. Runs a great business. Kenny has really taught me a lot over the years as he's gotten more involved in it. He's got a super cool, calm head. Um, You know, Miss Macy, she runs our Ford Street store. She's been managing that store for so many years. Um, you know, you got to meet Amanda and I love her. Yeah, I, well, I love them all. Yes. We have some great, great folks. Uh, and then Miss Mallory, I'm assuming you've met her over at Fourth Street yet? Um, no, I don't think so. She's a, a young advisor right out of the gate. She's doing really, really well. It's been super awesome to see kind of or have the ability for our industry to raise, you know, kind of some new folks into the business because uh, I don't care what business you're in out there right now. I see that there's a shortage of skilled folks. And if we want to find those people, I'm actually kind of a product of that from years ago is that Lois said basically she's going to have to start raising technicians, and and that's what I am. She uh, hired me as an apprentice, you know, 17 or so years ago, I think. And, you know, uh, the rest is history, essentially. I'm master certified automotive, medium, heavy-duty truck, parts specialist, service consultant. I actually even have some auto body certifications as well. We don't do auto body work but it just keeps our bases covered, which is why I have them. Um, All of our credentials are on the walls. What do you think about those, Sarah? You've been in the stores. Um, You notice our technicians and a lot of our advisors have a photo on the wall listing their credentials. Is that just a kind of a waste of time, or you think that that gives us some street cred, if you will? Yeah, definitely some street cred. First off, it's nice to put a name to the face. I'd like to know who's working on my vehicle. And if I'm there for a long time, it's also nice to be able to see all of the uh, the badges and uh-huh. the, the wall of fame, if you yeah, will. Yeah, I have a wall that's similar in, in our studio. Nice. And I, I'm very proud of all of the things that I have accomplished, all uh-huh. of the awards and certificates that I've gotten in radio. Yeah. And I like to show that whenever you come into my office, you know? Absolutely. So I feel like it's probably similar. Yeah. Absolutely. It's exactly the same. And you've put so much financial commitment and time commitment and, you know, just commitment to make that happen. That is, you know, it's not everything, but it's a big thing for sure. And, you know, I've watched you kind of, you know, run the magic board here in front of us for years and you're masterful of it. You know what all that does. Thank you. I'm, I'm, uh, you know, in awe about that. Honestly, you've trained me that if something happens, I push the big red button over there and <laughs> That's we, right. we stay on air. So, That's right. And I just celebrated my five year anniversary. Five years? Yeah. How about that? That's fantastic. But you've been in the industry quite a bit longer than that, right? Yep. It's um, a little over seven now. Yeah. It's crazy how fast time gets away from you but it's been really cool to see you know how even the the radio station has changed and evolved and grown and i believe that's the magic or the or the successful part of that so 
you know, if you're in a business, I hope that you're keeping up with some of the changes that's coming um, because it's it's here. I don't care what it is you do, whether it's, uh, you know, what field you're in. It's just not automotive, which I, obviously that's what we're, you know, referencing most often because that's the field that we're in. The car that you bought 10 or 20 years ago is vastly different than the car that you bought uh, or are going to buy, you know, in the, the recent past or near future. It's a big, big deal. And there's a lot of great that comes with that, but there are a lot of challenges to make sure that you're adapting with the industry. I just interviewed a potential technician, which I believe is going to come to work for us. I like the ability that, you know, A1 Custom is expanding our technician and service advisor role. And that's because of a lot of you out there as far as in the listening area in our community. We are a part of our community. And I I hope that we are working to be a good steward of our community and keep the community essentially rolling. But this technician, his biggest frustration was not money. Everybody thinks that, you know, typically the frustration of where they're working is money. Money is a component of it, but I very seldom have had anybody come and want to work for us because we pay well, which we do. Um, Normally, it's because they want to be a part of something that's bigger than them. Or the where they're at now is not keeping up with the industry. And that essentially was kind of the, the crux, if you will, of why this technician was kind of seeking us out is, you know, he was at a good shop and it's it's a good shop that I admire pretty, pretty well. Uh, but he was concerned about and he's a, a younger fella. He's probably around my age or so, mid to late 30s. And he's like, hey, you know, there's some technology that I'm very much keeping up with. We've not dove into it yet, but I'm planning a strategy of how we do that. And where he's at, basically, he talked to him and they just weren't, you know, they weren't very interested in how they were going to manage that. And if you don't keep your eye on where the industry is going, it will leave you behind. And I absolutely, as far as any point in time, my ability to have any involvement with A1 Custom Car Care is going to make sure that that does not happen to us. I have worked for shops that it had, that they were just kind of the old hammer and pry bar does everything. You cannot fix a late model vehicle with only a hammer and a pry bar. Now, back in the day, that was a go-to tool. Um, You know, I grew up in dealerships. My dad was a dealer guy, a, a good portion of my life. I spent a lot of time there. The toolboxes back then were very small. You come into one of our facilities, we have some serious guys that are serious about their business, and the toolboxes reflect that because the amount of equipment, as well as the skilled hands that run that equipment, is so much different than it has been in the last 20, 30, 40 years, as well as it's going to continue to be that way. So you cannot stick your head in the sand and you're saying, ah, I've done it this way forever. You, you basically, your business dries up and it goes and finds somebody like us that can work on late model vehicles, diagnose late model vehicles, and continue to keep up with the changes. Um, you know, when I was a kid, you could buy a late model Ford or Chevy pickup or Dodge for, you know, 10000 bucks, And that was a pretty nice truck. And there's a lot of those trucks still on the road to this day, which is wonderful. Go, you know, get on the used car market and see what $10,000 will buy you right now. I'm going to argue probably not a whole lot. And if you are in that range, I'm not saying there's not good cars in that range. It is significantly different than what you did, you know, or were able to buy 10 or 20 years ago. There's some cool bells and whistles. I'm talking about power open 
tailgates on SUVs, you know, or lift gates, if you will, tailgates on pickups. The infotainment system is incredible. The sync, the Apple CarPlay. I mean, all that stuff, lane departure assist. You're, it is amazing what you're buying now. But some of that stuff is seventy, eighty, dollars $100,000. And you better make sure the folks that are taking care of it are prepared and equipped to do so. But we're going to step into a break. We'll be right back in a moment. Welcome back. Sarah and Dustin, A1 Custom Car Care. We need to wrap the show up in a little bow. Miss Sarah, you were talking about, uh, I guess it would be uh, year-end sales of new cars. Yeah, so typically around this time, you see a lot of sales on vehicles. You know, it's that new year, new car kind of thing. And so I just wanted to kind of touch base with you on that because, you know, we're kind of in an unprecedented time with the automotive industry where you can't just go out and buy a brand new vehicle Mm -hmm. right then and there. There's very few vehicles that are on the lot, whether it's brand new or pre-owned. So mm-hmm. I just figured we could talk about that for a little bit. That's a great point. So have you driven by any dealerships as of late? You know what? Um, we did like a Thanksgiving slash Christmas down in Crane oh, yeah. a couple of weeks ago. And so we were down by the Ford dealership. Yeah, Hamilton Ford. Mm-hmm. And I think there was probably maybe 10 vehicles on yeah. that entire lot. You know, it's a smaller dealership down there. But I mean, it was just big. Bear. Yeah. And I've never seen it. You know, I've I've dealt with Hamilton on different things over the years. They've always been real fair to me. Obviously, I'm, you know, pretty big Ford fan, but I think they're all, you know, every lot, whether you go to a Chevy dealer, I've noticed. Uh, I've noticed a, a fair amount on the Dodge lots, and I think everybody out there listening, and, and I know you're a Dodge fan <laughs> over there, um, knows how I feel about Dodge. They're, they're just not quite what they once were. And so that kind of bums me out because... You know, some of their older Dodges, I really did like. You know, they, they were the first one to put the 5.9 Cummins in a three-quarter ton or, or a one-ton chassis. And those trucks are still awesome. I'm talking about the first-gen Dodge out there, even the second-gen. Um, but what you're getting now, it seems like they have some inventory. Um, not necessarily inventory I'm looking for, but, you know, to each their own. If you're a Dodge owner out there, that's fine. We'll We'll do what we can for you, so... <laughs> That'll get us some hate mail. So if we get a bunch of, uh, you know, Dodge owners, you'll have to watch for them as they send in messages. <laughs> well, I came across this article real quick in Fox News. It says the cheapest new cars you can buy in 2022. Mm-hmm. And I wanted to get your input okay. on this. There's three vehicles on it. Okay. I have a feeling I already know what you're going to say. <laughs> yeah. But I figured, hey, let's might as well run through it. Okay, so the first cheapest vehicle that you can buy in 2022 is the Nissan Versa. Yep. It says that it's only increased by price by just $100 hmm. overall throughout the country. Sure. The second one is the Mitsubishi Mirage. Okay. Which I don't think I have ever heard of before. I have. I'm familiar with those. I've worked on many of them over the years. And the third one is the Chevy Spark. And it says that it is the smallest and the cheapest car on the market for 2022. So what are your thoughts on those okay. three? All right, this is going to be controversial, I suppose. There's a lot of Chevy Spark owners out there. They're what I consider a disposable car. So if you're looking for a very reasonable payment, a fairly dependable car, they do have some inherent design flaw issues that we have dealt with many times over the years. 
that's a good five to seven year car and probably 100 to 140,000 miles is what you should expect to get out of that before you get to the point where there's something catastrophic going on. And now, granted, if you take much better maintenance than most people, you may push that up, but it truly is a disposable car. I recently had one in the service stall that running down the road, uh, I think it had about 60,000 miles on it. It would go into neutral and it would cycle the door locks at the same time. And then it would re-engage, cycle the door locks again, and you could continue driving. I was able to fix it. It was a moderately uh, costly repair, not a big deal. It had been to a couple actual dealerships and they weren't able to isolate it. We got it figured out. It took me a couple of days. It did take me some time, but we got it fixed. So that's a disposable car. The Mitsubishi market, they make some okay things, but I'm not a fan of that platform. I wouldn't necessarily recommend it. They have some issues and they're very proprietary with a lot of their parts and technology. So um, not super easy to source, um, get service information or continue to keep on the road long term. And I'm usually not a Nissan fan, but out of those three cars, that Nissan Versa would be the one I would actually pick. And I do a fair amount of kind of hating on Nissan for different things and in the way they engineer things. Um, that is still probably a disposable car, but I see those give a lot less trouble than the other two. Over the life, I see them at 150, 60, 70,000 miles fairly regularly, fairly easily. And I know I've shared this in the past, um, but what really makes or breaks, whether you consider it's a good car, is how well it deals with not being cared for. The first two, if you don't care for those, they will break down and they will leave you walking. The Nissan eventually will do that. So much uh, as I hate to say it, as far as those uh, platforms out there, the Nissan would be my pick. What do you think? Hey, there you go. Yeah. I felt like you were going to be like, no, on all of them. <laughs> <laughs> so you were like, no, no, and maybe. I think there's some better options out there, but that's kind of what it is you want for your car. Maybe you're a college student and you're living you know, in town and you need a good, cheap, reliable transportation for the next five years to get yourself out of school and then you're going to be making the big bucks hopefully you know any of those options new i could see that but you better maintain them the cars of today the the later model we get the less they tolerate not taking care of them they will blow up and they will break down. And I don't want to be that fear-mongering person out there, but I see them. They're in the shop at 30, 60, 70, 80,000 miles, and they got catastrophic problems. And we're like, you know, this is a bad deal. And I don't want that for anybody out there. I think, you know, that's probably counterintuitive of what most people think a mechanic's going to do. That's not why I do this. I do this to keep people's car going. I keep. I want to make sure that when you do decide to buy a new car, it's on your terms and not because your last one is literally a pile of junk, you know, sitting in the yard. So creating an eyesore. Uh, I've had a few of those over the years, and I usually hear about it. So i got to make sure that everybody's in good shape. So sound fair? Makes sense? I think so. So how, if somebody is out there looking for a new vehicle mm -hmm. for this new year, how do they find the best deals? How do they hunt that down? So a lot of that is going to be timing. Um, so as the chip shortage, hopefully at some point starts to loosen up, the market is going to be flooded. So I'll give you what I'm planning on doing. Um, I am, and I've been talking about it for years. I'm, I'm planning on buying a new truck. Now, do I need one right now? No. 
but I am kind of setting things in motion where I'm going to have like some things taken care of. I went and bought a tractor a few years ago. I've been paying on that. So um, that's going to basically be paid off at about the time I'm ready to buy a truck. So personally, that's what I'm banking on. I got on, uh, it was Ford's website, and I built my truck. And I believe there's going to be some great incentives coming out when everything kind of catches back up. And so if you're not in the market now, my advice is to wait and plan and kind of squirrel away your money to where when things really loosen back up, there's going to be a surplus at some time. There's an ebb and flow to everything. We're at a deficit right now. It's hard to find parts, hard to get cars. Everybody's paying a premium on it. Once all that you know breaks loose, there's going to be tons of vehicles out there. So right now, I had I had got on Ford's website. Have you ever built a vehicle like custom order? Yeah, I did that with the Bronco. Oh, okay. Yes. So you're ex- you're kind of familiar. You get to pick your accessories. You mm-hmm. get to pick this or that. It's very fun to do, by the way. So I got on there. I built a uh, you know I think it was a three quarter ton uh, Power Stroke. It was seventy two grand. If I wanted the upper trim package to jump from Lariat to King Ranch or um, the Platinum package, it was a $16,000 increase. So right now, it is a seller's market, as everybody likes to talk about in the real estate world. I want to bide my time to a buyer's market. And that truck prior COVID was probably about a fifty-five dollars to $60,000 truck, so pretty significant bump. Um, that's what my recommendation is, is to wait and save your pennies and then you can hustle for a deal. They're not giving deals out right now. You're paying sticker or over MSRP on it. And that's tough. I think you and Ryan noticed that even in the used market. Did you see that? Yeah. Yeah, Where it was just. We had to keep looking and keep looking. We ended up finding the needle in the haystack, but it took us about three to four weeks as to where, you know, back in the day, you could just go and find a couple that you wanted to test drive, take a look at. You didn't even have to schedule any appointments or anything like that. You just got to go see them. And then if you thought, hey, I like this, you could go back in a couple days and it'd be there. That's Mm -hmm. not the case anymore. No. Thankfully, you guys kind of stuck to your guns because you had several serious ones you were Mm -hmm. considering. And, you know, you're right. It is truly a needle in a haystack. However, that's not going to be that way forever. You know, in another hopefully year or two as we kick off 2022, you know, hopefully things look different in six months, 12 months, you know, 18 months, etc. We just got to kind of pay attention to what's going on in the world and, and plan accordingly. So if you've got some things going on with your vehicle that you're driving now, take care of it. Don't let it get to the point where you're backed in a corner and having to step up and, and really, and, and I'm basically talking to myself as well. You know, I, I've i got some older trucks. Uh, see, my Duramax is 354000 I've got a Power Stroke that's 440, 440000 I'm I'm keeping those things going. I'm not slacking down on it because when I do kind of step into a new vehicle, I've gotten a lot of great miles out of those, and they really don't owe me nothing, and I don't want you in that boat either. Miss Sarah, as always, thank you so much for thank being a part you. of the show. And, of course, if you guys have any questions out there, it doesn't matter how big or small, you can shoot us a text on our text line, 417 417- Four four seven five seven four three, or you can send us a Facebook message at one zero four one KSGF. Dustin, I hope you have a good weekend. Yes, you as well. Have a happy New Year. Bye.